Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, if this is your first time, we're especially grateful to you. If you've been listening to us from the very beginning, hey, then you're longtime friends and you know how this goes. Well, we like to take time in the first segment of our podcast to talk about things that are going on in the world around us and try to think about them biblically. And there are a lot of crazy things going on around us that need biblical clarity, mm. certainly in the realm of human sexuality. And we could spend a lot of time talking about this, uh, things that are being promoted in the uh, public school systems and public libraries now, mm-hmm. uh, things that are going on and being celebrated. And Jared, you recently gave a wonderful message on this whole issue at the Southeast Regional Founders Conference on human sexuality. Would you just kind of give us your take on how we are to think about some of these things that are taking place in society? Well, you know, it's easy to be a fear mongerer. It's easy to say, oh, look, here's something new when it's really not something new. Um, But there's also a danger of saying, hey, you know, the world's always been bad and there is nothing new going on here. And as I look at some of the things you've already cited, some of the things going on sexually in our culture, I think it's undeniable now that we've reached new levels of craziness. Uh, Drag queen story hour in the libraries. Um, There is a man who recently joined an all-woman's football league, uh, once discovered that he was a he. The football team let him go, only to have a jury uh, find that he deserves $20,000 for having been discriminated against. Uh, Obergefell, of course, is the political reality that's causing all kinds of problems. Recently, this uh, boy, I think he's 11 years old, Desmond is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, months ago, I found out that he was walking in drag down you know, fashion strips up in New York City. And I was just shocked by this. I mean, I was undone. I was weeping one morning reading the news. And it's weird. I felt like I was kind of like the only one. There were a few people that were talking about it. But I was going like, where are the cops? You mm-hmm. know? Well, come to find out, I don't know, probably three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, he was recently dancing in drag in a girl's clothes, taking off his clothes at a gay bar in New York while men threw dollar bills at him. Yeah. And uh, his parents are there. And I'm thinking, again, where are the police? So, well, What's the definition of child abuse today? You yeah, know, do we I have know. one? I know. And, I mean, the list just goes on and on with men winning gold and women cycling. You know, yeah. we, we've, we're we're going mad twitter twitter tells us today what do they call it dead dead naming dead naming so if you call bruce jenner bruce jenner on twitter you will be assimilated so i i do think we look at that and i think there's there's two dangers um one dangers for christians to look at that and go oh yuck how could they i would never and i just think that's crazy you know we know we would this is exactly what we do uh um but we've had Christian standards and, and Christian ideas for so long in our land that it's it, it's it's a dangerous temptation for Christians to go, oh, icky, I would never. No, this is exactly what happens without God and without his word, and this is what we would do. But the other danger is to go, okay, you know, this is no biggie. Let's just kind of 
let's just kind of reach out to them. And um, even in an effort to be gentle, we should be gentle always. But we think, you know, I'm just going to give give them a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, and we'll be able to win them to Jesus. Uh, no, the error on that side is you're actually dealing with something deeper. You're dealing with... with um, not just the prodigal son. The prodigal son goes off and sins against his first principles. Um, we're dealing with the rise of a worldview, an ideology. Um, I'm comfortable even with saying a paganism that utterly denies God, that worships the creature, and this is the fruit. This sexual immorality is the fruit of this false religion. I see that in Romans 1. Mm. Uh, what can be known about God is made plain to man and the things that have been made, and yet by our unrighteousness we suppress the truth, and people have done what is foolish. They've turned from worshiping the, cre- the Creator to worshiping the creature. And um, it's Peter Jones, a Presbyterian minister, that calls this oneism. He says that the Christian worldview is, is twoist, that is, there is a creator, and then there is the created. Uh, but this this new ideology that's coming upon us in America is oneist. It is there is no distinct creator. We've turned from worshiping the creator to worshiping the creature, and that even fits with evolution, right? I mean, if we're worshiping the creature, well, then we've got we've got that we've got stuff. We've got stuff, and mm-hmm. stuff is eternal, and it's morphed and it's shaped into what we are now. And if that's your worldview, well, certainly you could go on morphing and shaping. I mean, things have been morphing and shaping. We came from apes. <laughs> Why cannot uh, a man morph into a woman or a little uh, a little uh, girl morph up into a man once she gets older? So we're dealing with a full ideology, Um that's going on around us. And I think Christians need to wise up to that and see that's really what's going on. Uh, there, there are many in America today that are worshiping uh, the creature rather than the creator. We're coming up with a different law. It's no longer God's law, but it's man's law. Um, our desires are no longer to be conformed to reality. So we shouldn't just uh, hate what is evil and love what is good, but really we're now taught that our, our desires can conform to whatever we want, that, mm. that they're not to be regulated uh, by God and by his word. So I think that um, the craziness that's going on concerning sexuality in our culture today is a signal to us that we've really got some big stuff happening down at the foundation. It's a call to Christians to be faithful. Yeah, and to be aware because we will not approach these issues rightly if we're not aware that things have changed. That's and right. Yeah, we're not we're not simply, you know, my ultimate goal is not to stop Drag Queen Story Hour at the library. <laughs> yeah. um, my ultimate goal is not to have the women stop getting beaten by men and women cycling. You know, that would be nice. Um, my ultimate goal is not to get someone who has uh, homosexual desire to... Uh, to have heterosexual desire. those I think all of those things would be good. Um, but we want to see people repent of their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And we must approach people on that basis, saying, yes, uh, we too are sinners. We too have all of our own uh, problems uh, sexually. This is, a, this is a result of the fall. Um, but there is one who came to live, die, and rise again for sinners just like you and me. And and sadly, you know, the way of the transgressor is hard. And what we're seeing right now is people in the name of love 
pushing people down the road of transgression mm-hmm. into a harder and harder life, mm-hmm. into greater and greater pain and suffering. But no matter how far someone has walked down that road, even if they've had sex reassignment surgery, there's grace in Christ. Turn turn from sin to Christ. Trust in him. And, um, and you will be saved, and you will find a way to uh, live in his blessing. He can... He can turn all of this mess around. Amen. So what we're saying is what we need to do today is call on people to change their religion. They need to be converted. Amen. We want to talk about another book at this time in our podcast. And um, today we want to talk about A Quest for Godliness. This is a book by J.I. Packer. The subtitle is The Puritan Vision of the Christian Life. This is a book that Crossway published and is just a, a marvelous introduction to the piety of the Puritans. Mm. I had the privilege of um, spending a lot of time studying the Puritans up at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this is one of many books that we looked into uh, you've got the Puritan paperbacks that are great devotional sources for really steeping yourself in the Puritans. But if you want, if you want kind of an overview of how they think about preaching, how they think about the church, how they think about the Sabbath, life, marriage, family, those kinds of things, um, Packer has sketched it out here with a number of quotations. Um, so just a really good book. Yeah, Packer says that the Puritans are the redwoods in the forests. And so if we want to understand the Christian life better, we should look to those whom God taught in wonderful ways concerning the Christian life. And certainly uh, as an era, the, the Puritan time and those who were uh, Puritan pastors and theologians are, have much to say to us today, and we, we should be willing to sit at their feet. And Packer helps us to do that. I, I love this book, the way he's divided it out, and the, uh, the way that you can dive in really to any chapter. You don't have to read it consecutively. His last section is on the ministry, and his chapter on Puritan preaching is just golden. It, 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 he, he makes this statement in that chapter that uh, if you were to ask a Puritan whether or not he should preach theology, theology, he would say, well, what else is there to preach Mm, or something like mm -hmm. that? Whereas today we tend to think of theology and doctrine as being uh, dry and we try to downplay it so that we can be more faithful to what we understand the Christian life to be. So this is a great book. Packer, nobody's better in my estimation, or very few would be in his class in helping us to think and understand what God taught the Puritans. Yeah. Just a little taste on his um, chapter on Puritan preaching. He lists out a number of um, number of ways in which the minister ought to preach the word. I'll just give you a few of them. He says, the servant of Christ is to perform his whole ministry. And the first one is painfully. <laughs> now, that might bring up some stereotypes about the Puritans that it shouldn't bring up. But nevertheless, painfully. He says, taking pains, not doing the work of the Lord negligently. Mm. You know, if you're a minister, it's it's good to remember yeah, it's um, we do work by the sweat of our brow now as a result of the fall, and that's not only true for those in construction; mm-hmm. it's true of those who are ministers. So toughen up, man, and, <laughs> and you know this is we're entering in upon a painful work. Um, 
the second one is, he says you should do your whole ministry plainly plainly there's something about our preaching that should be plain it's not to be be fancy it's not to wow people with you know our our voice or um you know our just uh, really crazy insight you know i've never heard that text preached that way in my whole life how fascinating yeah. was that it was it, so you would just use regular colored smoke not red and blue and green just, smoke right just use um you know regular laser lights <laughs> and not the colored ones um He's to do it faithfully. He's to do it wisely. He's to do it gravely. You know, I, I preach as a dying man to dying men. I think that's Baxter. And he's to do it with loving affection. And of course, when it comes to preaching, the Puritans were excellent at application. Uh, they did not. Um, they did. They did. They did not lessen their emphasis on doctrine at all. They were heavy on doctrine, making sure the doctrine is clear and plain, but then applying that word to the listeners, thinking yeah. about where are they and, and knowing we want to see this word uh, applied to the heart and life by the power of the Spirit. So I'd highly recommend Packer's book, A Quest for Godliness. As do I. So we're working through the Ten Commandments and seeing how they are found prior to Mount Sinai. So what kind of guys work through the Ten Commandments twice? Uh, guys who <laughs> guys who are convinced that these commandments need to be restored to their proper place of priority in the Church of Jesus Christ these today. These guys got to be legalists. They're going to go through the Ten Commandments twice, like 20 commandments. No, these guys are serious <laughs> about what God has said, and we want to honor God. We believe that to love God means that we must keep his commandments. We believe when Jesus said it, he meant it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm, so that. Mm. if we're going to do that, then shouldn't someone... Shine some light on those commandments. Okay, let's do it. So here we are. Fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother that the days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So that's a wonderful commandment as a parent. Uh, I love it more now and see it more valuable now than I did when I was a kid. F- 15. But <laughs> nevertheless, it was just as valuable then. I wasn't thinking as clearly then as I am now. So where is this commandment found before Mount Sinai? Well, we see it in a number of places. I would um, point out Noah's son, Ham, and how he dishonored his father, and then he suffered the consequences. We see this in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 18. Let me read it. It says, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Well, what did his brothers do? goes on to say, Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. So what we see is a dishonoring of the father, and an immediate consequence, this curse that now is upon uh, Ham's uh, son Canaan 
as a result of his dishonoring his father. So even before God spoke these 10 words on Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. there was an understanding that children should show honor to their parents. W- would you say that that also could be applied in Adam? Adam is uh, called the son of God. I think it's in Luke chapter 3 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the genealogy of Jesus. And Adam disobeyed, and there were consequences to his disobedience. Do you think that would be another indication of this? Absolutely. And I think it's a it's an important point because the fifth commandment not only concerns father and mother. And mm-hmm. If we look at the uh, Westminster Catechism, it or spells this out, or Westminster Confession spells this out on that this this concerns all lawful authority mm-hmm. and so it's not well this have to be a biological son and if i'm not a biological son then i don't have to honor this particular authority so um adam's dishonoring of his father god is uh, certainly another example of this commandment being transgressed and then the one who transgressed it suffering the consequences. And this is a vitally important commandment. I mean, they all are, but in our day and age, uh, this is not appreciated nearly as much as it should be because mm-hmm. the most important thing we can teach our children as they come into the world is to obey their father and their mother. Children, obey your parents. I mean, this is a a command of God. That's what they need to learn first and foremost, because this is the way God has made the world. He has built hierarchy into the world. He's built structure of authority into the world. And if children at their earliest ages don't get that, they're going to have a hard time Mm -hmm. uh, as they go through life learning to be submissive to proper authorities. I wonder, this is a bit of a spinoff, but I'm going to chase it, This, this elevation of reason over revelation mm. it seems to be very much related to this you know um <laughs> why do you not touch the stove <laughs> well dad revealed it to me in a command <laughs> right oh no, no no i want to use my reason well yeah you, you got to touch the stove once and get burnt if you're going to use your own reason and make this deduction you know but god has made the world where he wants us to believe in revelation he yeah. wants us to he wants us to take an authority at his word and all of this certainly you have corrupt authority can do all that kind of stuff but there's just there's a massive exaltation of human reason and a massive mm-hmm. reduction of the even the idea of revelation uh, which i think makes sense because we raise kids now to think well you know you don't really have to obey any authority unless right. you want to and you know you kind of got these parents things but you just got to put up with them for a little while and then get away from them. you can kind of be your own man be your own woman that's certainly not the biblical picture. No, and you can see this, too, in, in what I think is a, a, a pretty serious mistake some parents make with their young children when they try to reason with them and to convince them that they ought to obey their parents. <laughs> we do this. We try to help people all the time with their kids saying, hey, when when you sit down and when you tell the kid, like, hey, buddy, don't don't run in the road. If you run in the road, you'll die. Um, you know, that little kid has no context of what that <laughs> means. You know, if you run in the road, you'll do this. So, uh, yeah, there's, a, we try to do a lot of reasoning that they're just mm-hmm. not, they're not ready for. And yeah. that's going to come with. Sure. With, absolutely. And it better come. It's got to come yeah. or else you're not being a faithful parent when you get in all kinds of play devil's advocate, do logic with them, do rhetoric yeah. with them when they get older. But in the young stages, you want to train them to listen to your voice and obey. That's right. Yeah. It, there's a two year old. Becky, there's a piece of uh, paper on the ground. Pick up that piece of paper. 
No. Now, Becky, you need to pick up the piece of paper because the room will look better if you pick up the piece of paper. And it's not hard. I'm not. All that is just save your breath. <laughs> Help Becky to understand that her father has said, pick up the paper. And she's under obligation from God to obey her father. You will serve her well if you'll do that. Do it. Do it. If we don't do it, they might be cursed like Ham and Canaan. You have been listening to the Sword and the Trowel podcast with Jared Longshore and Tom Askell. This podcast is produced by Founders Ministries. For more information, visit www.founders.org. To hear more from the Sword and the Trowel, you can follow Founders on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or by subscribing to our email list at www.founders.org.